0: Welcome to another great story with your host Nick Sandino brought to you by the village Christian church. Do you know any great stories? We sure do. And we can never find enough time on a Sunday morning to tell them all here at another great story. We tell the truth about where life change, life growth and life purpose meets our everyday life with the hope that you might experience God in your story. Welcome back to another great story. I'm your host, Nick Sandino, and joining me today, uh, finally in person, is one of my favorite communicators I've ever met, and that's no exaggeration, Leslie Butcher. Um, Leslie just got done preaching this morning here at the Village Christian Church on anger, but we just didn't feel like it was enough. So here (laughs) later this afternoon, she's she's recording a podcast and, and talking to us a little bit more about it. So sit back and relax and enjoy another great story. Leslie, thanks so much for coming in the studio. So let me just like start with this. This was your idea, okay? <laughs> I just so felt when like you I hadn't
1: talked enough, today.
0: so when you get on a plane tomorrow and you can't talk for three days and you got to yeah. go back and teach people, this yeah. is this wasn't we coaxing into this. So no. Leslie, today <laughs> is going to, she will have preached two sermons. She uh, taught at a program we have here in the church uh, this afternoon. Yes. Um, for at least 30 minutes there and then gave feedback for another two hours. Uh, then she was like, hey, before I <laughs> preach at youth group tonight, do we have time to record a podcast? I didn't preach today, and I'm tired.
1: <laughs> I just thought, gosh, I still have more to say, and that probably annoyed my parents when I was a kid, but it's, <laughs> it's working out great as an adult. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we're in this series called "What's on Your Mind." If you're not, if you haven't been following along, we'd encourage you to you know check it out. It's it's relevant. So we teach in two different types of ways here at the church. One, we'll teach through a book of the Bible. Yeah, um, and we've got a series coming up on Ephesians uh, in the not so distant future, where you'll just follow along through that book. Uh, but this was a felt need, so we're teaching like you know bigger landscape of Scripture. On on topics, like yeah. what's on your mind, some mental health things. And we talked about I'm mad, I'm sad. I, we started with I'm sad. I did last week. Then you pre- preached on I'm mad this week, um, I'm scared, and I'm fine. If you were to have picked your topic, would you have picked <laughs> anger? I would not
1: have picked anger, which is probably why Jesus gave it to me, because it would not have been my plan, which is probably the story of my life. But I would have probably picked... I'm scared.
0: Yeah, that's the one you would have gone for? Yeah. Why?
1: Because fear is, I ran scared for a long time that everything was going to fall apart at any minute, and I didn't really have a safety net. And so even when I talk to teenagers now, or I have college students a lot, who'll sit in my office and I'll see myself kind of in them, is this idea that from the outside, I probably looked really successful, and on the inside, I was really scared. I was doing all the things.
0: How late, how, well, I mean, we're getting off topic already, you know, three minutes and 40 yeah. seconds in, but how how long did that chase you into life? Was that a college thing? or? It was, a,
1: it was a dance for sure. Um It was, I went back and forth. We'll mention the scripture in Psalm 73, but I would get off and then realign and get off and realign. I don't think we get a handle always on emotions. I think it's kind of an uphill thing, but I I distinctly remember, early on probably middle school thinking i need to be great to be noticed i need to be great to get accepted i need to be great to to get out of this little town is really the thing oh i and i can so resonate with that i treated everything like it was uh like i was ready to be discovered and i hit a lot of roadblocks in that process so i had i had a lot of success and then i also had a lot of disappointment but I sat at 19 in an intro to management class and wrote down a 10-year plan. And at 29, when I was about to have my second baby, I'd done nearly everything on that list. I'd really? written a book that was published. I'd gotten a master's degree. I'd had two kids. I moved across the country. I mean, I... And I... I was done. Like, I had depleted... my, oh, really? my fuel. My fear fuel was empty.
0: It didn't feel worth
1: it? And... Is that sarcasm? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) No, I was tired. And then it didn't really probably end up the way I thought. Like I looked around at my life and thought I have a pile of laundry and I have all this stuff. And and in the process, like I was a ghostwriter in my 20s, so I wrote a book that was published that nobody knows I wrote.
0: Oh, that's weird. So there
1: wasn't a, I I mean, I think – like, the phrase, it's not about you, is probably a really great theme out of A Walk with Jesus. It's the
0: subtitle to <laughs> it's, your next book? It's
1: not about you. And I wanted, I would say, I didn't think, I I cognitively, like, in my head, obviously, like, oh, it's about Jesus. And then that that sort of temptation of, like, it could be a little about me.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And then... There's a tricky spot it, when
0: you know the right thing to say. Yeah. But your heart, like, and, and you would never even admit like that your heart was misled on it, you know, because you're so conditioned to say the right thing. I think that's what burns people about really established Christians. Mm. Do you know what I mean by that?
1: Yeah. I, I think I realized that maybe it wasn't about the checking the box or getting the thing done. Like the feeling of accomplishment that some people feel great doing it. I think I thought it's going to get me this other thing. So if I do it and it doesn't lead to this other thing. And by the other thing, I don't know what I think. I think maybe like titles or you know, having my face somewhere important or a hundred thousand followers on Instagram or
0: Do you have a beach
1: vacation? No. No. And
0: it's, (laughs) I didn't know. I thought I'm not, I'm, I'm on there for the student ministry. That's like the extent of it. So I don't know anything about it. I
1: don't, I don't. And I, it's so interesting because it's just the grace of God. Like Mm -hmm. in the process, I know now like that would never have been healthy, but I, I think I just kept waiting for like a big break. Yeah. Like I'm going to do all this stuff and I'll get to experience this stuff and I, and the big break didn't come. And then in the process. I hit forty, and I started to see the value. And I will. S- I recently I have a neighbor who's really successful in healthcare, and and has this is living this really sort of luxury life in this high rise apartment and in this fancy area. And a friend and I went to have dinner with her, and it was the most sobering experience I've ever had. Just like a month ago. And my friend who graduated from Harvard Law could have had this incredible law career, chose not to, and lives a pretty modest life for what her potential financially sort of is. And I said, that could have been your life. And she said, that could have been your life. And we could have chased these things, like pushed harder. And when we left watching, getting to see up close this person who's living this really fancy life of $10,000 worth of shoes in the closet and these purses, and I'm not really oh a shoe person. But... Um, But to feel important, and it felt so empty up close, and I said, this is what it must be like when you get close to a celebrity. Like, there's a little bit of delusion, and you leave and go, that's empty. Like, literally,
0: delusion of grandeur.
1: Yeah, and you don't believe it's true until you're right there. You're right there, and you're watching people miss out, and your kids suffer, all these things. And it's just, it was... Like, I, we went home and I said, if I never become, like, pseudo, whatever famous looks like in this, I don't think
0: I'll... I, I've I'll come be. even farther than that. Rochelle and I joke about this, and I, I hope it's okay to share, on. but we we joked that we both had this, like, little dream of being semi-famous. Yeah. Just recognize, you know, and it's completely dead. Like, that's gone. It, and, and it's, yeah. oh, it's so gone, because it, the stress that it would bring, I fully believe... I don't want to live under that much of a, a scrutiny or microscope or to have to relearn how to connect to people that I want to talk to about Jesus.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think you're you realize your people suffer. You're like the people that matter most have to be a part of this process and they they're pros and cons to everything we choose and I and I think really the older I get the more I realize how How powerful it is to be able to choose that. My son's best friend is a level 10 gymnast. And I was telling someone today after church, he knows exactly what it takes to do gymnastics in college has all the skills, knows the work ethic he needs. And he said, I've looked at it and I don't want to
0: do it. Oh my goodness. And he's hanging it up.
1: And he, he said, I'm going to do this year, but I'm probably not going to pursue college gymnastics. And he could legitimately get recruited, could legitimately have a division one scholarship. And he said, I don't want to do it. And he comes from a family that has created a sort of financial safety net where he's going to have college paid for no matter what. So it doesn't matter. And there's such freedom in being able to not carry the weight of that. And we talked about anger today. And, and one of the things all of research says when, when you look at why people get angry. And it, the textbook phrase is scarcity of resources.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that, that your message today. So
1: I was telling him today, I said, just imagine that you're a family that's struggling financially. But your kid's really great gymnastics. You keep putting them in. You keep paying. You keep paying. And then he decides it's not for me. Like, imagine the anger level if you have invested all of this money and they just want to quit.
0: So I was only picturing it in the reverse process. Like, scarcity of resource, I'm angry because I don't have. But you're saying it operates even if you do have.
1: I think it... No, I'm saying I think there's a luxury that comes. We sometimes don't get to Jesus as quick as we could when we have a buffer of financial resources if that makes sense oh which i know that's it's almost probably like the a bible told tr- a
0: story about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like jesus had this parable maybe
1: he said right this person has this much but he um but i like when we're thin on time and when we're thin on money we just get to anger quicker yeah because we like i was saying i didn't mention this but if our dishwasher broke we didn't actually have a dishwasher growing up that's how broke we were but if we had had one and it broke my dad would have probably gotten angry, but not just because he, the dishwasher was broke because we didn't have money to replace the dishwasher. Right. And so one of the things that you hear in the Old Testament, all these names for Jesus of like, I'm your provider and I'm your protection and I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, is is to help bring peace where there would normally be anger. And I think sometimes when we, our measure of anger is also a reflection of our trust in him and his process and I, I was working through some anger Friday, not real anger, but my day didn't go as planned. And I had a lot of stuff yeah. I want to get done. And Jesus had a different plan and I handled it better this week than I would have five years ago. Because you'd been ago. like prepping
0: on it all week, like thinking, <laughs> I've meditating i been thinking on about,
1: yeah, where I'm like, ooh, find the root. What do you, what, and adjust my priorities and what really matters. And you, I,
0: you also said find the root and that has puzzled me. Of like, anger, yeah, the root of anger, not puzzled me like what you meant. Like just looking at my own life. So, um, I talked with my friend Tim last week, and uh, Tim will be on here sometime, and <laughs> I love him so much. You know Tim from around here too. Yep. And uh, and Tim said something along the lines of um, he thought when we were on when I was on stage that I legitimately had it all figured out. So if I talked about a past failure, <laughs> that it was super past tense, but now I'm a pastor. And he's like, so when you would say like you run a little hot, you've got a little bit of a temper, he's like, I always thought that meant like college nick or maybe early, uh, you know. Yeah. And now you're 37, you got it all figured out. And I was like, I'm like, I'm like, what's changed? He said, Well now I know you got a temper. Like yeah. <laughs> like we're real friends, you know. So for for me, it's it's like, what's the root of and we're gonna get into some of that scripture here in a second. Yeah. You know, but like what's the root of that? And like how do you even dig to find it? You know, And are there people, like, I I walk around, and so if I think this, I assume other people must think this. Are there some people that just have no idea what it feels like to be angry like this?
1: I don't, I am not really sure. I do know this, that from just emotion research, that there are people who can experience the emotion of anger, but they also can channel it into getting a lot done. So, like, sometimes I think anger and passion run... Passion probably runs shotgun to anger a lot. Um, I didn't say this quote in the service, but my favorite quote about emotions is that they are like children. You cannot put them in the trunk, but you can't let them drive the car <laughs> so I, and I come back to that a lot like am I putting these in the trunk or I letting them drive the car? I love so that you can't emotions are like children. you cannot put them in the trunk.
0: So have like, I told you what Carter's, like what Carter taught me about this? No. So Nate and Rochelle's son, Carter, who's 20 now, said his he came home with this thing from his college professor. I immediately put it in my sermon and took credit for it that week. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, bud. Like, be careful of those nuggets that you share with me because, like, they're they're going to get preached yeah. on. And uh, it was um, emotions are a good passenger but not a good driver. Oh, yes. And so it's like same theory. They're like they, shotgun. They ride yeah. shotgun with you, and that's good. Like, you need them. Yep. But you can't.
1: Nope, you can't let them drive the boat and and it they are helpful like they are indicators because you do need to process things and to know why that if if you get angry, it's like a check engine light like you need to pull over and open the hood and yeah. go, hey, something's going on And to be self-aware enough to know it's probably not about what it is
0: I <laughs> my, there's a, there's a lot of us that default and think that's just how we're wired. And that's what cultures told us. Like, well, it's like it's on the equivalent of you're a little shy, or you're a little loud, right. or you're a little angry.
1: Yep, you're just an angry person. That we make movies called anger management, right? Yeah. We, I picture Jack Nicholson in my head, right? Yeah, just this angry person. That's I loved that movie constantly and constantly. In this place, I didn't actually put this in. I have this image of Matt Damon in Good Will Hunting when I think of anger. Uh huh. And there's a moment where he has been in some assaults. Like, he's his anger's gone out of control, and he yeah. ends up in fights, right? Yep. And so Robin Williams is his teacher, and he sees his file. And they're having a conversation about it. And Matt Damon's just been through a lot. And he embraces him and he starts to say this phrase over and over, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. And it ends up Matt Damon just weep, like sobbing right. in control Right, because he me. starts
0: by lashing out at him. Because like he
1: immediately is like, you're messing with and, me, you're yeah. messing with me, obviously couldn't play the clip. Right. <laughs> but there is this idea that like people that have become so hardened because of what happened to them, either... We talked about trash compactor, but like they've decomposed to all emotion. Like they're dead inside. And they have, they can't. The problem with that is when you no longer get angry, you also no longer feel joy
0: or oh, peace. So like you if you do turn select, it off, if you, so turn there's it off only you can't w- selectively
1: numb emotion. You can't be like, I'm no longer angry. Like I'm in a numb anger mm-hmm. with alcohol or shopping or, yep. or video games or whatever. Yeah. So if I numb anger, I'll numb all the things.
0: Yeah, or gossip or any of the, yeah, like, anything. short-sighted. Yeah. If I can belittle you, I can make myself feel better. Yeah. So you've said two things in this that, that really, I think, resonate with anybody who's listening. And one is, like, you were just tired by 29 years old. Yeah. I don't know who <laughs> you walk by that doesn't feel that. Yeah. And so then, the, I don't know how past this point, you would be a a smarter, you would be more eloquent to describe what's going on in somebody's mind probably. But for me, it's like if I have something that the world would accept as justifiable to be tired, then I could say I was tired. Mm. But if the world doesn't accept this as like worthy exhaustion, then I'm tired and nobody can know because I'd be ashamed of it. And then like, so for there's all sorts of, the flip is, There aren't just not angry people that just were born not angry. Yeah, There's different variations yeah. of how you're processing the anger.
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes people that are sort of that volcano that erupt quick don't carry it. Like when 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 you have a root, we talk about the scripture in Ephesians 4.26 that like where you develop a root of bitterness, sometimes the Bible will use the word anger and sometimes it'll use the term wrath. Uh-huh. which is mena or menon in the ancient Greek. I learned that this week. And that is long-term anger. So when it morphs into that, you've carried it for so for a long time. So if you've ever been in an airport and you're carrying a bag or a heavy purse, you're shopping all day, at some point you don't notice it. And then when you, then when you finally put it down, you're like, gosh, that was heavy. Oh, it's like, like, like that, holding the books like and then your arms freedom. float? Yep, yep. And you just don't know you don't know that you're carrying it after some point, but that's heavy to carry. And it's exhausting to carry. It's exhausting to carry. You know, I I think about a lot of men and, and we talk to a lot of, a lot of marriages and marriage is hard and it has its stuff. And, and there's the visible work that a mom does. You know, I got, I got ready for this trip. I joked that I would love to be a man and go on a work trip, but like, I'm, organizing who this person goes to a PSAT class and this person goes to choir camp and this needs to happen at this time. And the, you know, and I'm all the schedules, I've got actual friends dropping off dinner for my husband (laughs) tonight Um, because they're like, like how can we, how can we help? And I just have this great tribe. But the thing is I didn't always have that. And I, but I also understood uh, early in our marriage, my husband seemed pretty angry and pretty frustrated. And I, couldn't get to the root of anything. And I thought, you know, we moved to Houston, you're working in the space program. We're living in this little apartment. Uh, and I got pregnant early in our marriage. And, and I also thought like, this is a great life. I didn't have a lot. And I thought, you know, we can pay our bills and we're doing this stuff. And I'll never forget. He said to me, what do you think it's like when I go to work? And I, I just was like, I don't know. You work with a bunch of rocket scientists. It's super smart.
0: Literally. A squared
1: plus B squared. Yeah. Uh, square calculus nonsense I mean I'm throwing out words and he had a really hard boss in that season I mean just a jerk of a boss who is this angry kind of angry Irish Catholic man who who didn't like himself I don't think and he didn't like anybody else and he said you know this person uses pretty rough language and tells me I'm an idiot every day and I'll never forget the perception shift for me that I thought it's heavy. I'm I'm trying to do all this stuff, but he goes every single morning, carries the weight of providing for our family, gets told he's an idiot all day, every day, and then has to come home. So I get to choose whether to be a place of frustration or a place of respite for him. And I I let go, and then I'd hear wives be like, he doesn't know what I do all day. And I would say, do you know what he does all day? Have you ever asked him what he does all day? Because I don't fall, I don't lay in bed awake wondering if we'll pay our bills. Like we made an agreement and I help and we've been a team and there's been seasons where, you know, the first year I got had income and he was finishing school and we swiped, switched. But I don't remember internalizing the way I think that a lot of men do. And that's a heavy thing to carry. And when it's not acknowledged or maybe appreciated, it can lead to some pretty angry feelings i'm sure oh I'm, <laughs> not a man but no
0: i'm, I'm like squirming I'm, in my chair
1: we're you're welcome we love you guys out there who are doing the hard stuff you know if you spend a whole, if you drive around for a whole day i do this a lot and look at the guy holding the slow down sign and the guy at the toll booth and the guy on the crane my granddad was a iron worker and i think they did that every darn day in the heat Mm-hmm. And the sleet. <laughs> and that there's nothing more respectable to me than that. Like, it's so, so incredible.
0: Some insight, like on that, like when you talk about things that are I, not theoretical, but when you talk about emotions that are hard to like put your finger on. Yeah. Um, and, and only speaking like from my percep my perception of it, uh, it's hard to process and go, well, I can get better at my anger if, X, Y, and Z, if I do these things, but like every job that you described, I came home from those jobs and went, I planted those trees, I mowed that grass, I built that, I formed that, I poured that, and it's done. Or if I go out and farm, like we planted that, it sprouted, it literally took life, it's growing. If the rain comes, it'll grow, it'll produce a crop, and like we're about to harvest it, and I'm at the edge of my seat like a 12-year-old, I can't wait to go run equipment. And it's so completing. And so there's like a disconnect of like, uh, I think there's a lot of people walking around that, that, that feel it, that feel I'm tired. I only know how to fix what I know how to fix. Yeah. Um, and this is where we get into the confusion about anger, I think on the scripture.
1: Yeah. Where you just are, I don't, I'm out of me. Yeah. Like I did, I left all of it on the table i my husband and i used to joke that some of our fights would we would say i feel like i'm giving 110 percent and you feel like you're giving 110 percent and then both of us feel like the other person could do more
0: right <laughs> oh that's true and we but would look at each other and yeah. go
1: what so what, we could use another person to go we're i'm stuck i don't think i physically can give anymore and and he's like i for sure cannot and also, or there's more to be done. Like I'm tapped out. You're tapped out. Yeah. Who, what's going to, how are we going to do this? And I think as a, as a Christian or Christ follower, like that's the part that makes me go, if I didn't have Jesus, I'd be a mess. So, so
0: unpack that a little bit. What's the text say that you left out today?
1: The, okay. Psalm 73. Although I just, I'm going to throw out, I'm going to drop the scripture too, because yeah. I think in those moments, a couple anchoring scriptures for me. One, first, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 9 says that he's made perfect in our weakness. So Jesus yep. does his best work when we're out of us. And I, and I know that to be true. The other one is in Psalm 73. And the whole chapter is this guy named David Nick talked about him because he is kind of this person that wrote a whole book and journaled his emotions in the process. Just
0: every emotion.
1: He he did the gamut, but he was just this cool kid that got picked over his brothers to be king. Most of the world knows he killed Goliath, but even and then in Psalm 73, he vacillates between like I know God is good. And then he says I nearly missed it missing his goodness cuz I was looking the other way, looking up to the people at the top, envying the wicked who have it made. Who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the world, and I think for me as a as a kid who grew up without money, you just had this narrative in your head that the people that have money don't have problems. Like, for example, I, if I we are we live from a pretty comfortable financial place where if I can if I'm having a bad day, I can order Papa John's, and it is never lost on me that not once in my entire childhood, my mom raised five kids, she never got to just order pizza. Mm-hmm. Like that's not lost on me. Like she like she still went through the motions of like opening a quart of green beans that we can from the summer <laughs> garden and yeah. and putting food on the table. So in verse 11, in the message translation, which I love, it says, what's going on here is God out to lunch. Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything they haven't made, piling up bridges. And I think too, when you work in an environment, a work environment, that's not a church. And I don't, I work with lots of people who there's people that cheat the system, Uh people that are political. It's like, man, they are, it, it appears that they get away with stuff. And then that anger of that's not fair is so frustrating. And then, uh, David says a long run of bad luck. That's what a slap in the face every time I walk out the door. And if I'd given in and talked like this, I would have betrayed your children still. And this is my favorite part because this is, I, I want everything to be intellectual. So I'm trying to make sense of, oh, this didn't go my way. So here's probably how God wants to do it. Or this didn't go my way. And I go through a lot of mental hoops to find peace. And David says, when I tried to figure it out, out, all I got was a splitting headache. And then it says, until I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I saw the whole picture. And in other translations, it says, I saw the end and eternity, right? I couldn't, it was a meaningless task. It was a waste of my energy to try to figure out why this didn't go my way and what I could have done different and how. I can somehow make it right, but I just need to spend time with Jesus. I I told my little brother the other day, I said, think about this. Have you ever really struggled with things not feeling fair, wishing you made more money, wishing things were different, wishing whatever, and then you went into worship at church? Could you hold those thoughts during worship? If you really surrendered, could you hold that envy and that anger and that disappointment?
0: I cannot. I just weep. So how quickly can you race into the presence of Jesus?
1: Well, uh, I have, I sometimes have to fight. My kids will tell oh, you. I've I mean, heard.
0: I was asking it kind of oh. like, you know, like, th- is that the question that we all should be asking?
1: Yeah. I, th- I think, too, I had a friend the other day that just said, are you doing okay? And I was like, I just need 10 minutes with Jesus. And then I...
0: <laughs> oh, I love and that. Like, that's enough sometimes.
1: Sometimes it's enough. And I think, too, like... I will joke with moms. It'll I'll be like, listen, you just take a, a piece of chocolate and you're, and put on worship music in your phone and sit in your closet <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just say, I need a minute. And it's okay to look at your kids and say, I'm running thin. And I told, a friend was like, did you get to go on a walk? And I said, I really didn't because I didn't, I wanted 30 minutes on a walk. But here's the thing. I got home. Somebody had to go to practice. Somebody had to be picked up from school. Then I forgot. We said we'd do this. And then I had a parent night that showed up on my phone. And honestly, Honestly, I just had to put on a Christian radio station in my car and just start talking to Jesus about, uh oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I'm, this is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. That's what I'll say. Sometimes Jesus, it's a lot. It's starting to feel pretty heavy. Could you take some of this mm-hmm. like, or remind me where you are or just reassure me that my kid will get into and college. You're, you're in the car. <laughs> are you
0: praying out loud when you're praying like this?
1: Yeah. And I'm sure I look crazy. If you pulled up next to me and saw me, like, weeping and talking to no one. (laughs) Do you ever fake turn
0: it into something? I turned it into, like, my head's moving like it's music because I'm praying and the person's staring at me. No, you should be in your head more like me because I will do weird things. Like, turn it into a song. Like, don't let these people... That's less weird than...
1: Maybe. Maybe so. If Listen, I... Was really wanting to tell the story of the kid in the Pearland Little League World Series. And I practiced yeah. telling that story while I drive. So I'm trying to listen to myself yep. and tighten it. And I cried every... time, Like, I wept every time I talked about the kid embracing the other kid. And I had to tell it until I wouldn't cry anymore.
0: Yeah. I watched you online first hour and I audibly said, what? Like, like when he said it was an opportunity to show this kid the love of Jesus. This Something along is a those plug
1: lines. for this, for the, you go to the YouTube and watch Yeah, go to so the YouTube and watch skip, it. She does a great job the telling the story. but end of
0: the story. But, oh my goodness. I just was, I audibly responded because I was in my office watching you online. And, uh,
1: and did you know the story?
0: So I knew that he hugged the kid okay. that hit him. That was as far as I went with it. It was like, oh, nice kids, you know, and, and the, I didn't dig any deeper. I'm so glad you dug deeper it, to the meaning.
1: It is the, it's, This is one thing I know about—I know we're tangenting, but the one thing that I think we forget and we get caught up in, especially in America, is that we have sort of a culture of things that we say and things that we do, and good guys finish last, right? We climb success ladder, all the And and the truth of the matter is, when Jesus came to earth, there were a way that all these people, all these religious people were doing things, and he undid everything. He broke the rules— he said it's about it's about people it's about getting close it's he didn't live by the letter of the yeah, law yeah so
0: clarify that on on like breaking the rules Cause not like in sin, not like no, abolishing all, the law. Right.
1: So they had this whole thing about you can't on the Sabbath you have to rest. You can't do anything. Yep. And then he healed someone on the Sabbath, and so they were so worked up about it. Like you can't break this. That they rule couldn't even that we,
0: praise God for the healing.
1: That, yeah, we can't even talk about it. Listen, this is to rest. And and Jesus sort of transcended all of these rules and said, "I'm coming to do a new thing and a different thing." And this, in this, like he wouldn't call it a religion. But he came to Earth because he loved us. In John one, I, I love where it says he came to Earth and he moved into the neighborhood and he literally lived life with people and gave them freedom and and just in a new way. And and I think I forget often that the kingdom of God is backwards from everything we know to be true. The scriptures that say the last will be first, that he'll honor the least, and that what we what makes sense to our brains is not. Everything he does is upside down, and that story of the the kid in Pearland—it's like, man, everything that kid wanted ended up happening.
0: Oh, And my favorite
1: part about like he wanted to be on Sports Center Top Ten, he wanted to go Little League World Series, and he had to surrender that it didn't happen in his ability, but in his grace. So in it, like his his loving and reaching out was what what elevated him and i think about that scripture this is god said you know um when you do these things like i'll raise you up so that the world will see and you and you'll reflect me and in that moment it wasn't about him like he was reflecting christ and and that led to all those other cool things he wanted
0: yeah it's an upside down kingdom it's
1: so upside down and it's
0: so backwards from what we traditionally think is the top yep that like even if you learn the right answer and you could get that right on a test, yeah. that like less is, like the servants are the greatest in the kingdom of God, um you know whoever's first will be last and it, like all that yeah. language, even if you puppeted that or parroted that back to believe it in your heart is a shift, yeah, and it's such a trust because you won't see this accomplished in a day and you don't see this like uh running into the presence of Jesus accomplished for an indefinite solution. Uh, Here's what I mean by that. Like I didn't come into great worship and hear great Bible teaching today, which happened. um, And it fixes everything from here till the end of my days on this earth. I'll have to keep coming in his presence. Yeah. Because uh, so you taught on Ephesians four, the end of it. And I could, I, I love like 10 verses here, but just the last couple, like I got really convicted uh, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Okay, and then it gives you like the, instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive each other, just as Christ God forgave you. That So that's the pinnacle, right? Yeah. Just as Christ forgave you, be loving and forgiving the way Christ has loved you. So what convicted me, what gutted me today was when you read that, there's a progression of anger that builds, so what went from bitterness became rage. What raged in in my heart grew into anger that became physical in brawling or in slander. So it either came out of my mouth or it came out of me physically. Yeah. And until it ultimately reached like every form of malice. Like malice being this like categorical cancer type. Yes. Yeah. You know. And it was like as I looked back as somebody who would say like anger was my sin and you know, my kids could tell you like dad has volcano tendencies that the spirit yeah. is still working. <laughs> and I just tell them like, listen, girls, this is the thing that God is still working in me. Yeah. And so like, there's going to be some repenting. Like there's going to be some like, I'm sorry. Like here's where instead, Yeah. you know, I'm, you know, under construction a little bit. And it's working backwards through that list of severity. So where the malice has gone away, uh, to a large degree, you know. And I haven't been in a fight since high school, yeah. right? <laughs> Which yeah. is dumb stuff. But that's where it's acceptable. You're like your bravado, your <laughs> you know masculine bravado is like, wow, well, he plays football, so he probably you know yeah. overreacted or you know. Uh, but it's not been that long ago that that I've slandered. You know that you've pour somebody down with your words and like where's like what's God working out so now like there's less anger there's less perpetual rage that like ooh, whenever that comes up it immediately stirs something in me um and what's left is bitterness Mm. and he keeps like and I know that's what's next and I said this to you off air because I wanted to talk to you after your Your message, and I just said, I don't know, and I hope this is a comfort for you because I'm preaching next week in Seneca, you know, like, so I'm, yeah, like, we're still under construction in this, and I don't know what life looks like when God cleanses me of bitterness, and that's the last thing. I don't know what it's going to look like. I can't wait. I see all the things that He's redeemed, delivered, healed. And I could tell lots of those stories. But let me just tell anybody who's like discouraged, like I'm under construction <laughs> and I can't wait. And I the sooner the better. Yeah. And I think there was a breakthrough even in my head and in my heart today just processing that part of it. And that's that's on the heels of things that you said.
1: Yeah. I think too, one of the things that I think we end up in that bitterness place is when we come back to letting go of the actual like rage, we can do deep breathing, all of that. But at the end of the day, we can, that bitterness sometimes is just sitting with disappointment. Like this didn't go the way I thought it would go. And I think sometimes the antidote to that is learning to just release and say, God, what you have is better. Like I had a plan. It's not going the way I thought. I really did want this. I acknowledge that. I think
0: so. If it's your kids, it's trusting that he loves your children more than you do. Yeah. If it's your spouse and they're a believer. Yeah. You know that he's like asking the spirit to work on them is far more effective. Yes. Than thinking you can leverage your spouse (laughs) into.
1: Yes, it's really it's never helpful to go. Hey, it's probably is this not about the keys? I joke that my. Husband, sometimes we know, I know when things are not going well at work or somewhere else, when he gets pretty worked up about something that is of no consequence or doesn't matter. Like, and I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say at midnight, he may be tearing apart the house to find a specific screwdriver. I'm like, are you working on something right now? Nope. Do you need it right now? Nope. I just want to know where it is. And that's a pretty quick indicator for me that like, If I'm in the way, he'll mow me over, but all I, but even finding the screwdriver is not going to fix what's going on at work.
0: No. So uh,
1: (laughs) I just have to go to bed.
0: I'm like, I'm still a farm kid, you know? And so my Friday and Saturdays, I'm still like doing farm stuff and I love it. That's like such a healing thing in my head. Yeah. Um, It's a lot. Oh, it, it's so wonderful. And then if my kids can be with me, even oh. in like the tenseness of like, this isn't working and we got to fix it, and they yeah. see the process and it, and then we celebrate that it's like, yeah. you know, like what's broke was fixed. And, and I got mad. And it was only my brother and I out there. Um, and he's not big into farming, but he's like works in agriculture. I don't know yes. if that makes sense.
1: Nope. Yeah. Um, it does.
0: So he thinks, you know, so I lost my mind because it was just my brother on, a tractor that wouldn't start uh, because of uh, I'd have to explain. I thought we burnt the points up on this little old gas yeah. tractor that I just fixed, you know, three weeks ago, and I lost my mind, like just angry. And uh, my brother's not like the profound deep thinker, uh, like he does. He doesn't say these things that like cut through. I'm just gonna. He said two of the sweetest like No, no, no. <laughs> Here's I'm about to compliment the daylights out of him. Okay. So like. He, he said two of the nicest, most loving things he's ever said to me yesterday. He doesn't even know it, okay? Aww. So maybe he'll listen to the podcast, but, but he doesn't even know it, okay? He would never give himself credit like he has anything to input that could fix anything broken, but he actually does, you know? And he said, um, he said, I wish I had a clue how to make you feel better and I would tell you that thing. Mm. And I was like, you don't know how, like, validating that makes me feel. And I didn't say that. Yeah, and then we hugged in the shed, right? <laughs> you know, no, like I just kept raging around like with tools,
1: deepen the brotherhood yeah. bond, right?
0: Yes. No, none of that. Um, <laughs> instead, uh, he said, "But I do think that this isn't about the tractor." <laughs> and I kid you not, it was more profound than anything anyone said to me. It's something I would say to somebody else. Yeah. Okay. It's something that I'm used to saying as like the pastor. Right. You know, and sitting with, and it's like, that kind of sounds like a fancy thing. I don't think this is about the track. (laughs) I don't think this is about your keys. You know, why don't you talk a little more about, and like your tone changes. And he said it with such compassion and where he could have piggybacked and been like, yeah, you know, and another thing, like, here's what I'm mad about. We could have just, I was just looking for camaraderie that we're both angry men. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> just join me won't you and, yeah like, just like hey what you tell me what you're mad about and I because here's my yeah. bucket list and it like it wrecked me for the rest of the day mm. it just wrecked, and then you p- preached on anger and I was like well Lord I get it okay and I didn't want to talk about it you know but yeah like the Lord's kind in these things he's gentle and he's kind or you think of the word manthano like my yoke you know like to yes. learn from me my yoke is easy my burden is light yes. like so my way feels like the harder way and I promise it's a lighter less burdensome way
1: yeah and I think something you said was really powerful because people who tend to erupt a lot or be sort of that volcano personality as someone who has been around people like that they can be really intimidating to be around and you don't know how to help and I think what your brother said if you if you have someone in your life who gets angry and you don't know what to do um, I we used to have the saying that Jeannie, my mentor used to say, she'd always say, Don't fix it before you feel it. And one of one of the really greatest gifts is just wanting to fix it for someone. And if you have a person in a place of anger or even honestly, sadness or deep emotion, looking at them with compassion, saying, If I could change this, I would. If I could fix it, I would. And I we talked today about a story about a these guys who had this paraplegic friend, and they, I guarantee you, would have fixed him if they could. Mm-hmm. But they did all they could to bring him to the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's... Th-
0: Don't be a fixer. Be a directional sign that points people to yeah, Jesus. Yeah, you're
1: just a bridge to him.
0: And if you have any momentary satisfaction of fixing people, your fix won't sustain Yeah. like Jesus will.
1: And it's probably helping you more than it's helping them.
0: But if you could get out of the way, and really, oh, if I could do so many counseling sessions over where I wanted to be the hero, yeah, of the conversation, if I could meet with like so many students over, Yep. and just be like, what do you think Jesus is saying? What do you think He's calling you to right now? Yeah, if I just would have said that and shut up on everything else I had to say that was like in another thing, <laughs> you know.
1: Here's a real quick shortcut. My husband is the the greatest teacher in and. Has the incredible ability when helping the kids with math homework or science to let them get there. Like he could tell them the answer to the problem,
0: <laughs> and he doesn't tap his fingers. And he, or?
1: and he is so patient in that process. And I told him the other day, like nothing shows me the heart of Jesus more than watching him do homework with my kids. It's the oh, coolest that's thing to know. One, he's See, not. See, nobody's hurry. seeing
0: Jesus when I do homework <laughs> with my kids.
1: Well, he's brilliant. So he knows all the answers, which that's the coolest thing is to, is I know that I don't need to jump in, kind of like with Jesus. It's not my place to jump in and try to fix it, but I don't have to jump in because I am 100% sure he knows what he's doing. And I just sit back and watch and he'll, and he, but he patiently guides them to it. He doesn't, he doesn't let them cheat the grind. Like it's so, it's so beautiful and it's just, it's and I watch them kind of go through the emotions of maybe some anger and he just patiently says, You're smart enough, we're gonna get there, we're gonna get there. And I think sometimes we need to hear Jesus tell us, like, we can do this and he'll keep showing us the next right thing and we're yeah. gonna get there. We'll and you can there. hear
0: him by just reading his word. Like please read yep. read scripture. Like if you wanna if you feel like I'm not hearing from God, you're not reading his book enough. Yep. Like just get in there. And, and yep. it's a grind. And trust the process. Like he is working things out in you through the pain, through the anger. Leslie, I, I could talk. You and I have a problem where we could talk for hours. I know.
1: This has been too long. You know, <laughs> but
0: I'm going to ask that you just close us in prayer. Yep. Okay.
1: Let's do it. Jesus, we are so grateful for truth and your word in a different way God we have tried to handle anger with our own ability and it just ends very poorly we either hurt people we hurt ourselves or or we end up alone and we don't want to live like that so Jesus I pray that that something in this today would resonate with the hearts of listeners where they would say yeah I don't what what I've been doing isn't working and I'm open to doing something different and i pray that they would just begin to open their hearts to your truth and your process and your son who came and died and gave everything so that we could really live and not in in a superficial way and not in what the world says looks so great but in a way that is deep and meaningful and eternal so we just pray that you would continue to just move our hearts and lead us to the next right thing and and ultimately to grow closer to you. We love you, and we just, we just acknowledge today that we can't do this without you, but the truth is we don't want to because you are the very best. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Listen, if you have a question about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus, what it looks like to know more about who God is and what he's done for us, uh, we don't want to be a church that you feel disconnected from. We're not unreachable. Email me directly, nick, N-I-C-K, at thevillagechristianchurch.com. Um, and, and I'd love to spend time with you. We've got a great church home here. We're uh, in shortly going to be in Cole City, uh, starting a campus there, Cole City, Illinois. We're in Seneca, Illinois, and um, before and and I already mentioned and obviously in the Manuka campus. So Leslie, thanks so much for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. This was awesome.
0: Next time you're Illinois way, <laughs> we'll sit and, and yep. record again. We'll
1: hash it out. Sounds All right.
0: Good. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us for another great story. Make sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss our latest stories. And if you are in the market for a great church home, check us out at thevillagechristianchurch.com. We've got more great stories ahead, and we can't wait for you to hear them all. So until next time, keep living another great story.